0: If you are a huge fan of The Dark Verse and thoroughly enjoy the stories that I write, it would mean the absolute world to me if you would support the podcast on a monthly basis. You can do that at patreon.com slash thedarkverse. That's patreo dot com slash Darkverse. Thank you.
1: There are worlds between our own, and from these worlds, there are written histories, both ancient and modern read of these testaments scrawled in hidden places and on other things. You must fix your eyes uncomfortably within you and if successful your gaze will lock the door behind raw imagination and meet the man
0: Hello, I'm Shark Child, and this is The Dark Verse. Short stories of occult, metaphysical, and fantastical horror that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. This is the 100th episode of The Dark Verse. To start this episode off, I just want to take a moment to thank all of you for being a part of this podcast over the years. Whether you've just started listening to my stories recently or you've been there since 2007, thank you. Because without you, I definitely wouldn't have been able to continue putting out more stories and more episodes. Hearing your kind words and your positive feedback and your enthusiasm towards my stories is definitely what has spurred me on to continue going, to keep writing, to write the very best horror stories that I can possibly write. With that said, you might want to go back And listen to the very first episode of The Dark Verse Which was entitled The Unlike Light Because this episode is a sequel to that story What better way than to celebrate 100 episodes of The Dark Verse Than to continue the story that started it all So we're going to go back into the world of The Keep, The Unlike Light And The Creatures of the Light This is episode 100 of The Dark Verse, and it is entitled, The Eyeless Sight.
1: purpose to the keep, and although that purpose had not yet been revealed when the man of courage with his smoke candles stepped out of the prison of the dark into the peril of the light, it was always present and always forthcoming. It was only a matter of when it would be unveiled, and if we, the girl and I, would still be around to horribly receive its truth." It was the most awful of ironies to be blessed with impossible sight after living in blindness. A gift stolen from some of us, and a gift kept from others of us since birth. Only to receive images of unbelievable horror that stained our supernaturally imbued retinue and forced us to dwell again in the darkness we were so used to. I remember awakening within the keep to sounds of jubilations, Fellow captives celebrating the return of vision, proclaiming their approval of what they thought a miracle, only for those same cheer-filled countenances to devastatingly distort into visages of dread as they came face to face with the creatures of the light. I was used to eluding dismay, being a man of thoughts, and so the keep did not pry its way into my sanity like it did to so many others. I spent my time in prayer and meditation, escaping the touch of despair's coils. While those around me faltered and crumbled, I held steadfast to the peace within me. I offered what I could of my sliver of solace, but its lantern paled in comparison to the dusk of our imprisonment. My companions could not hold above the hopes of their loves and memories, a light for life. So they snuffed out, one by one, widening and deepening my already overwhelming sorrow. The girl never witnessed the plaguing visions. Beneath her bunk she remained, from the moment of our arrival to the first encounter with the creatures of the light. When the man of courage departed, I was left to tend to her, to bring her food and water and clean what I could of her waste. The grief that I bore from the abounding loss cultivated my relationship with her. Caring for her gave me what little joy was left to attain amongst the deliberate evil that stirred the keep. The girl never spoke, and since she always remained in the darkness, I did not have any impression of her exact appearance. It was only by her shifting movements and breathing that she was even discovered. The trauma she felt was severe. I knew this. There was something consuming her, keeping her captive even beyond the walls of the keep. But without her words, there was no way to discern it. I spoke to her about everything, assuming that she understood it all. It was enough for me to fight off assaults of loneliness and, hopefully, it was at least minutely soothing for her in return. In a place where time was imperceptible, only intuition could judge the duration of our lives. At first, the only burden of the passing time was the sadness of loss, the extending period of separation from those loved. But as time stretched further and further under the desolate expanse of our new existence, that pain grew numb, and complacency took hold. Evil knocked on our door at the edge of the light, but we remained safe, safe to survive on and on until purpose would be illuminated. This survival became comfortable, easy. It was appalling to my heart and soul, but welcoming to my body and mind. I occasionally wandered the expanse of the keep's safe zone, the top two floors, where the creatures of the light did not venture. The topmost floor was our residence, beds, bathrooms, and a kitchen and pantry all cloaked in darkness. The second floor down was the library of antiquated texts and the burial grounds of our fallen. On one of these investigative sessions, I noticed that the light was moving. It was slowly creeping through the passageway of the keep, bringing its hollow brightness towards our bleak haven. No one previously observed the light's movement because its pace was negligible to any given moment of time. It was only after the girl and I had spent countless months beyond the departures of the others, including the Man of Courage, that its migration was discernible. I vividly recalled the level of light peeking over the top of the stairwell between the library floor and the one beneath it, and eventually the light was brighter, and its reach of illumination extended further into the sea of books. This light did not work within the confines of physics attributed to normal light. Its uncanny element was that its source did not dictate its area of influence. It could bend and twist around objects. It was as if the light had mass and was skulking forward like molasses, slowly saturating everything under its touch. There was no denying that the light was something wicked, harboring only things of malevolence, and it was coming. It would be months, maybe over a year, before the light would eventually breach the last of protected space, but it would get there, allowing predatory access for the creatures of the light. Since I had never prompted a reaction from the girl in any of my prior communications with her, I felt no need to withhold from her what I had learned. I expected the usual unstirred indifference, but when I divulged the information, she made an obvious reaction, squirming deeper into her pit and breathing at a rapid rate. I assured her that it would be at least several months before there would be anything to worry about, but her reaction was unchanged. She feared the light, the light she herself had never witnessed. She knew something about it that no one else had eyes to see. From that moment on, I could not tell by any external means that the girl was still under her bunk. Often, her eerie stillness and silence caused me to second-guess my psychological state, for without her shuffling, I felt completely alone, and my imagination danced scenarios into the mind's eye of this nightmare reality being of my own creation, a prison within myself." Only when she made subtle sounds of chewing and drinking and expelling did I know she still breathed. To disarm the maddening sequences of my wandering mind and reaffirm an anchor in the present, I frequently watched the encroaching light amongst the old books and the buried victims on the library floor. Even when the light, after several more months, had adequately entered the floor and the creatures of the light pressed up through the stairwell, I sat and watched. With eyes open, I meditated, letting my thoughts cut through the scene of pale, sick light and desperate, fiendish monsters and their unnerving wheezing. As I did so... I recognized that although security dwelled in the darkness, I treasured my sight, and I treasured the colors, the shadows, and the grim painting that swirled before it. The complacency was taking a deeper hold. What was once horror became a casual reoccurrence. The light was part of the stage and the creatures part of the cast that I saw day after day after day. Their grimacing presences were no less threatening one moment over another, but as I grew accustomed to them, the fear and foreignness subsided. I slowly came to an acquiescence with my fate, but as soon as that happened, the mystery began anew. As the light touched the book graves and the deceased within, the decomposing bodies were tinged by occult properties— over the weeks it took the light to fully trek across and consume the corpses, their rotting flesh was strengthened and stretched over bone bearing areas and renewed in elasticity lean muscle mass also reformed beneath the new membrane. Once the light had fully encompassed the bodies, it had reached into and beyond their essences, to their connecting existences in the beyond, and ripped their souls from their afterlives, pulling them back into malformed life as creatures of the light. When I noticed what was happening, I took what cadavers I could that were still untouched by the light, unburied them, and dragged them away from it. I did this on an ongoing basis, little by little, so as to prolong the full breadth of the foul odor from emanating into the utmost floor. However, after I'd done this several times, I acknowledged that in the end there would be no saving myself from the light, let alone these bodies. So I prayed over them, and then left them to be condemned. I would have done everything in my power to save them, had there been a way. Ultimately, after a great amount of time, as it was known to be inevitable, the light reached the uppermost floor of the keep and began to overtake it. In the final months following this milestone, when creatures of the light rummaged in what were once our living quarters, the girl and I were cornered in a single room where I had collected and stored what food and water I could take from the pantry and kitchen, This was the same room the girl had chosen from the beginning. I did not think it a coincidence. I was positive she possessed hidden knowledge locked away inside her. It was at this final juncture that the glow of the light began to illuminate the obscurity of the girl's narrow accommodations, allowing me to see who she was. This was when the purpose of the keep initialized its unraveling. Back when we had just arrived within the keep, someone heard breathing coming from beneath one of the bunks. The originator of the breathing was asked several times to respond, but never did. Without dispute, due to the very slender opening beneath the bunk that would bar even the smallest of adults from entering, it was understood that it was a child. In an effort to retrieve the child, hands of assistance were reached beneath the bunk. One of these hands came into contact with long hair, and from that point, the child was labeled a girl. She fought against the attempts at bringing her out, and remained there ever since. The girl was not a girl. She was a he, and he was an adult Lilliputian, a midget. He was tucked back as far as he could get, facing my direction, Instead of eyes, he had gnarly, jarring scars covering his sockets. Filthy and crusty, long black hair covered portions of his face and continued down past his shoulders. It was one of the most frightening visions my mind had ever witnessed. It scarred my mind, imprinting itself there to linger in and out of any and every other thought that followed. I knew then from my head to my toes to deep in my gut, that the light was coming for him. He knew this as well, but knew it from the start, seeing it with whatever mystic perception was bestowed upon him. Just as the rest of us in the keep had our sight restored, so he had some form of sight restored, whether through clairvoyance or as a medium and through that metaphysical cognition, the purpose he understood the light to have with him must have crippled his scope of animated living, rendering him inert at a zenith of fear that was so overbearing that its infection was invulnerable to the passing of time. When the creatures of the light were nearly able to stand at our door, I was a ruin— Crazed monsters reached for my flesh, an equally unnerving specimen rested below me under the bed, and filth and waste saturated the air with the most horrid of putrefaction. I sat up on the bunk with my back against the wall, only leaving the position to relieve myself in the corner of the room. I was at a place where my prayers and meditations could no longer sheath me from impending insanity. It was an impossibility for me to remain like this for the final weeks before the creatures had access to me. I knew what they wanted, so, under a conflict of my being, I convinced myself to give it to them. I stood up and moved to the side of the bunk. I then bent down and whispered unforgivable apologies to the eyeless man before grabbing a clump of his hair in my hands and pulling him out from beneath it. He writhed ferociously, but his strength was no match for my own. I dragged him to the doorway and heaved him out of it the best I could. I had to kick him to keep him within the creatures reach. He grabbed hold of my leg, but the creatures were on him instantly. I was able to hold on to the edges of the doorway and brace myself as they pulled the lilliputian. He came off my leg like tender meat from the bone and was brought deeper into the light and keep where his screams dissipated into the distance. I jumped back onto the bunk and huddled into a fetal position, disturbed to the core of my existence by what I had done. There I waited for the unknown. From the moment the Lilliputian was dragged off, the light ceased its progression and reversed, retreating at a much faster pace back towards its mysterious source. And with its reversal, so too did the creatures of the light leave. I waited a couple days in that deplorable room for fear that the creatures still waited just outside of the door for me in the withdrawing light. But once I realized they were truly gone, I began to explore. At first, I only wandered through those floors of the keep I knew, but it quickly became apparent that I now had safe passage through the rest of the keep. I fashioned what I could from the top floor into provisions for my journey. I turned a blanket into a satchel and jars into canteens. Then I began my descent. There was nothing much to see until I reached the sixth floor down. The stairwell opened into a large hall. Huge pillars and even decorative plants lined it. Behind the hall were several platforms of varying heights, leaning to one another by various staircases. Hovering over the scene were lines of balconies, but I did not see from where there was access to them. I navigated my way through this grand courtyard floor and eventually found my way to the next stairway. It was on the keep's seventh floor down that its purpose became much more prominent. The strange light on this floor was unbelievably bright, so bright that everything visible blended together into a single sheet of perception and tone. Because of this, I could not tell how wide, or how tall, or how deep the floor was. As I did take a few steps in, I saw the mass, an innumerable congregation of creatures of the light that half blended into the light. Their enormous numbers formed together into a circle far out in the middle of the floor. In the center of the circle was what I believed to be a raised platform. I could not see the platform, only he standing atop it, since it was masked in the light. It was the Lilliputian that stood motionless atop it with his arms at his sides. The scars of his missing eyes were now open, and the light was being drawn into them. Along with the light, arrays of the creatures also spun into and fully merged with the light and entered his eyes. After my initial observation, I thought it wise to leave, but as I tried to do so, I found that my legs were not there to carry me. I, too, was blending with the light, losing myself to its wicked magic. There was nothing I could do. I was lost. Although my mental faculties remained, I was made a phantom of the light, locked into its bidding. I was forced to remain and watch for hours and hours as the Lilliputian drew in the light and its creatures. While this final stretch of turmoil went on, while I was trapped in the light, I was able to understand more of the keep's purpose. As less and less light remained in the keep, and I was drawn towards the Lilliputian's eyes as part of the light. More and more of the seventh floor was made visible. The base of this floor was a portal, a portal through which the light entered the keep. As the light entered through this portal, so it exited through the portals of the Lilliputian's eyes. Although perceived as light, it was truly something else a residue or byproduct of some fourth-dimensional energy that was filtered or extracted into the keep where it could be collected and forwarded on to the domain where it was needed the keep was a vial a container for collection and transport of the light and the chosen captives of the keep were agents that were required to produce the desired properties of the light before distribution Perhaps by becoming creatures of the light. Where did the light come from and where was it sent? That I did not know until I was pulled through the Lilliputian's eyes with the last of the light and sent to a realm where the light and its creatures irradiated the reveries of the mind, both in sleep and wakefulness. It was the light of sleep, the light of dreams, the light of nightmares, the light of the mind's eye. The blind were its power, their lightless sight creating the most potent of all vision, a vision that existed before there ever was light, which was harvested and sent to the builders of the keep so that their minds could traverse the distances of the universe and its connecting realms and be given the great knowledge and secrets of existence. My essence faded into the light and its creatures, with these words echoing into my oblivion. We make anew in you what once we make anew what once made lost what once was lost.
0: That concludes episode 100 of The Dark Verse. If you want to listen to and download the past episodes, you can do so at thedarkverse.com by clicking the episode stories link or going to iTunes, finding them there, or going to soundcloud.com slash thedarkverse and finding them there. Again, if you'd like to support The Dark Verse podcast on a monthly basis, you can do so at patreon.com slash the dark i hope you enjoyed this 100th episode of the dark verse and here's to many many more episodes all stories on the dark verse are the sole property of shark child and cannot be used for distribution publication or monetary gain without his written consent sleep deeply and remember to love